When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning, Wayne. Happy to hear from you last night that you will be at Jerry World this Sunday to watch your Packers against my Cowboys from a box up next to Jerry Jones's box at Jerry World. Emperor versus Emperor. But right now it is time to skip the BS time for Undisputed. Time to talk national championship game. In a few minutes, we will get to Mike McCarthy on the hot seat. Jordan Love turning into, yikes, Michael Jordan. John Morant, gone again. And Aaron Rodgers, all-time hypocrite. But first up, it is Michigan 34, Washington 13. Jim Harbaugh got suspended to begin and to end this season. And now his team is 15-0, national champs. Weird game, misleading final score. But to me, Michigan was just ultimately too physically dominant in both the offensive and defensive lines. But let's see what Keyshawn Johnson and my friend Robert Smith have to say about all that. Robert, of course, is an NFL analyst for Fox, but for years he covered and studied college football, and nobody I know has a sharper eye for football than Robert does. He, of course, played college football at Ohio State before making Pro Bowls at running back for the Vikings, but trust me, Robert is about to give you a completely objective opinion of what rival Michigan (laughs) just achieved. (laughs) Mr. Smith, good morning to you and welcome to Undisputed. And how did you see last night's championship game? Well, you know, Denny Green was my coach with the Minnesota Vikings. He used to always say when we lost the game to the victors, go to Mary Franklin spoils you know with slightly different language right and uh, the victors Mm -hmm. the victors were certainly valiant last night and i think you're absolutely right you know just too dominant offensive line defensive line i mean geez what a performance in that first half those those long runs and i think washington really got exposed they would have been uh the lowest ranked total defense to win a national championship in the bcs era they got really exposed you can see on these runs right here they just really didn't have any speed at the second and third level of that defense. And you know what Jim Harbaugh wanted to do. He wanted to go with these heavy sets, go play action and grind the clock out. And of course, Washington just wasn't able to convert on the opportunities that they did have. I think it definitely hurt Michael Penix, Penix's uh, mm-hmm. draft stock and some, in, in some of the throws that he yeah. had last night, some of those opportunities, but there just weren't enough of them. We'll get a little bit more into the details of what Michigan has done defensively. But I think, that's the thing that we've seen from Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Coaches need to be coachable, right? They have to figure out where it is that they're deficient. And after five straight losses to Ohio State to open his career, he knew that he made, needed to make some changes, and he did. 
He did. Bully ball, Robert. Mm. You know, that's, that's basically what it boiled down to. It was like you mentioned the offensive defensive lines, controlling the line of scrimmage, patient running by, by Edwards and looking at the hole. You played the position. He was not in there getting in there fast. He was very patient in picking his spots. Long home run hitters early in the game. But when you look at these two conferences, the Pac-12 conference and the Big Ten, we got four teams that are now going to go over to the Big Ten Conference in USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon. Well, you saw exactly last night what could happen to you if your interior lines are not up to snuff. In the Pac-12 Conference, as you know, historically, we like to throw the ball all over the lot. We don't like to muddy it up and, and beat up the line of scrimmage. It's just something that I don't know why that's been the case for so many years now, but until that changes on these four teams that's going, into the Big Ten Conference. When you play Ohio State, Penn State, in Michigan, I don't, you know, maybe Wisconsin gets back into the running game at some point in time. This is what you're going to see in that conference. You're going to see a physicality versus a finesse. And I think going into the game, we all knew that this is what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. He's going to play action. He's going to run the football. He's going to run it some more. He's going to play action. He's going to run, run, run until something finally hits. We knew what Michael Penix and, and Washington Huskies were going to do. They're going to try to throw the football with their receivers, and it just didn't work out. The two styles didn't work at all, Skip. No, no. They hey, and, but, but remember, yeah, remember who was, in the, who, was, who, was, who was in the Pac-12 with strong offensive and defensive line play, though, until 2015? It was Jim Harbaugh, right, when yeah. he was at Stanford? And, and what, he had one of my favorite lines ever when he was at Stanford. He said, we're going to win with two things, character and cruelty. And he brought that same mentality. It just took him time. It took him time to catch up from a talent perspective to Ohio State. I think that was the biggest part of it. But he did all kinds of, you know, he's quirky. You know, all the lines about, you know, if worms had guns, birds wouldn't be afraid of them, which I still don't quite understand. Uh, the satellite I camps. Like he did yeah. all, the, all, all the foreign trips. You know, he's, yeah. he's just kind of done it all. And now, you know, the calculated endorsement of, of revenue sharing. I mean, he's smart, man. He knows what to do. But I think the biggest thing that he did defensively, he went from that blitzing, attacking style. Remember what he had? He had Don Brown. Dr. Blitz, as they called him yeah. all those years, but he went to he went to John Harbaugh and he said, Hey man, I need some help on the defensive side of the ball. So they brought over uh uh, uh Mike uh Mike McDonald mm -hmm. and then Jesse Minner came in. Mike McDonald, hey, it worked out so well. He's like, Okay, Mike McDonald, I need okay. him with the Ravens. So yep. he brought Jesse Minner in. And you know this key in the NFL, kind of what we've seen, that Vic Fangio style. We're going to play softer on the back end. We're going to have at least two safeties back there a lot of the time. And Washington just wasn't able to make them pay when they were sitting back there in those high safety looks. But they dialed back some of the pressure. But if you're going to do that, you got to be great up front. And Graham and the boys along that defensive line, although the sack numbers weren't huge, they no. were applying pressure to Michael Penix, forcing them into quick decisions. Yeah, they had 18 pressures last night, and they knocked him around and – the one play that started the second half, I think that Michael's ankle got stuck underneath and it wasn't right. I think his ribs got jarred and probably injured. And yet, quick point about the overall stats of this football game. If I had told you yesterday going into this game that Michigan would go one of 10 on third down, if I told you yesterday that Washington would run 71 plays to only 57 for Michigan, and would win the time of possession 
What would you have told me yesterday? We, you, you would have said, oh, it's a, it's, it's a battle, right? But you wouldn't know that Washington went two of 14 on third down. But the point was right. the, the, the damage that Michigan did running the football mostly came in just the first quarter on just three plays, right? If we could yeah, see those 150 yards on yeah, three plays, 149 on these three. If we could see them all in a row, just to see what happened, Donovan Edwards got loose. He hadn't he hadn't gotten loose really all year. I hadn't even noticed him all year, and that's just a non wrap up. He bounces it out and escapes for a touchdown. So that one goes for 41, and then here he goes again. That's just gaping hole obliterated that point of attack and that's 49 more and look, yards. And you look at and you look yep. at and look at that separation on yep. the on the second and third level of the defense separation. that's what really stood out look to at me. Blake you get, Corum you get them. the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh that, yeah. that was it was it was great to see Corum. I had, a, I had an opportunity to interview him last year right before he tore his ACL. Oh, you know, tore his ACL late in the season, missed yep. a couple of games and came came back strong, man. I was I was happy to see him do what he was able to do, but you know, that, that second and third level of the defense, just no speed for Washington. And that's why they had the, the number of close games that they had this year, because that defense just wasn't really up to stuff and they were able to cover it up. Robert, can Blake Corm play pro football at what level? What, what's his ceiling in pro football? How good can he be? I, I, I don't know how good he can be, but I think he can definitely play pro football. I don't think he's going to be like a Mike Hart and flame out. You know, one of the things that I saw from him, which I think is it's the hardest thing to learn as a running back. And, and I think Keyshawn, you had already mentioned it. You talk about that patience, really late cuts, uh, you know, really pushing the line of scrimmage. You could see really setting up his blocks, moving wide, moving wide, moving wide, setting back, but making those second and third cuts. He's one of those kind of guys that just has a natural feel at the second and third level of the defense is kind of where safeties are approaching, where he needs to make those extra cuts to turn those 15 yarders into 30 and 40 yarders yep. and 59 last night. <laughs> you know, I, I covered Emmett Smith, obviously. I see a little bit of the Emmett in Blake in that they're both obviously short, stout, incredible sort of underrated quickness in tight spaces and also underrated acceleration because Blake can hit whatever his top speed is. I don't know what he'll time in the 40. I, I think he'll be in the four four ish range somewhere in there. Maybe not Robert Smith fast, yeah. but yeah, you're 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 lucky you don't have Michael Irvin on the set. He'd be yelling yeah. at you right now for any Emmett Smith comparison. But, but, but uh, there's some yeah, there he because he's he's hard to find yeah. behind the mammoth offensive line. You can't find him until he's into your second level, and all of a sudden it's like, where is he? How can we get him on the ground? And he's hard to get on. Yeah, the ground. and and yeah, and we saw it, you know, with your Cowboys, you know, picking up Deuce Vaughn. Now he's obviously a bigger back, doesn't I, quite have the suddenness that a Deuce Vaughn has, but he has more power. So I think that his game's going to translate to the NFL yeah, level. Yeah. Like what's the ceiling going to be? You know, a lot of times that's what pieces you have around you, what that offensive line looks yeah. like, and you know how dangerous your your pass threat is. And right. If I can get four point five yards a pop out of a guy like that, I'm not asking him to hit a home run every time. You know. But but he can yeah. he can move he he can get loose I I see him get you, you saw it on the fifty nine yarder okay let's take a quick look at early in the second quarter Michael Penix has a chance to make this a real live football game because his guy Roma Dunze gets open and they're they're kind of on the wrong page but he is wide open 
Keyshawn, what did you see here? Well, he's not ready to throw. Yeah. He's he's open, but Penix isn't ready to throw. And what happens in these situations, oh, man, when you, you uncover that. so quick, though, Skip, yeah. and the quarterback's not quite ready to go, yeah. it's, it sends a sure panic on both players' part. I've been in this situation in the NFL as well as in college. I get open and I'm ready for the ball, but the quarterback's not ready to throw. And then he rushes the throw and it gets you turned around and gets you off a little bit. They came back to that same play later in the game, and, and they were they, able to hit it. They hit it. But Odunze looked like he wanted over the inside shoulder off his break. Well, as soon as know? he got open, yeah. he put his he hands put, up. He put his inside hand up. Can we pull the play back up? Because uh, the thing that I want to watch, and Keyshawn mentioned it, you know, he's not ready to throw. The reason he's not ready to throw is his drop. And we see this so many times. Quarterbacks' inconsistent feet lead to inconsistent throws. And, yeah. you know, you watch him throw off of that back foot, and I think that's the key right there. When quarterbacks don't have their feet timed up in the drop and ready to throw and don't get all, you know, get all of their cleats into the ground to make that throw, yeah. it leads to that type of inconsistency. So that's something you just can't do at the next level. And you look at young guys in, in C.J. Stroud, yeah, I'm going to mention him because he's an Ohio State guy, but but he's also going to be the offensive rookie of the year he in is. the NFL. Deserve, the thing that you yeah. see out of him is consistency with that drop. And, you know, we had a chance this past weekend to, to call the Patriots game, and Bailey Zappi, even though he hasn't spoken to Tom Brady, he talked about just how detailed Tom Brady always was with those drops and really timed threat, that drop up to the route combinations and to the progression. Okay. You get those first three or four steps, read one. Okay. Quick hitch, reset the feet, get the next step. You see from Michael Penix, it's just almost like a panic throw, right? He's yeah, throwing off of that was. back foot and more often than not, that's going to lead to problems. Yeah. And you're not in the pack 12 anymore. Mm -hmm. you're, you're up against these guys, right? Yeah. Okay. That's true. Or you're not playing Texas anymore. Okay, so now let's look at the first play of the second half. When they get the ball and they're down 20 to 13, very first play, Mason Graham, who I love, I just think he's a monster of a force in the middle of that Michigan defensive line, only a true sophomore. He blows this play up and blows up Michael Penix, and the ball goes straight up in the air. He's being doubled, and he still blows it up, and the ball gets picked. And it felt like that was their chance to, to make a statement, to go down and score. And that, that, whew, that Mason Graham, he's 320 pounds, and he looks like he's even more of a force than the kid we drafted in the first round, Mozzie Smith. So, I, man, he's still got at least one more year at Michigan. He's going to be a terror next year. No, this is Michigan's yeah, got some yeah. depth. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's that interior pressure that's just so oh. difficult to deal with, uh, you know, because you can't you can't really do anything with formations, you can't uh, do anything with chips with the back. You get interior pressure. I mean, obviously, a guy out there in L.A., Aaron Donald, we've seen him do it for a number of years. We had an opportunity to see Quinn and Williams up close and personal, yeah. and you get that interior pressure. There's just nowhere for the no. quarterback to go, and then you combine that with any type of edge pressure and it's dangerous. I mean, there's just nothing you can do. And you saw it right there. Graham so good with his hands, good with his technique. And you know, that's something that's again, it's for younger players. Yeah. It's just difficult to learn. It's different, difficult to learn the details of the technique, but using those hands like that, being able to split double teams, combine that with some extra moves that he's going to have uh, developed and, and, and get into his toolkit, man, he's, he's going to be dangerous. Something. Okay. Let's look at this play quickly because the irony of this play is it's Michigan's one and only 
first down or third down conversion of the game. Third down conversion. It's third and eight from the nine late in the third quarter. And J.J. McCarthy, who did not have a great game, gets loose up the middle. And he's got some speed and some athletic ability to make you miss. And you saw it on full display here. And it just got them out of jail because it felt like it's still the store. The score still stuck on 20 to 13. It yeah, felt like you, Washington had them. But you're at the second and third wave of defense, like Robert mentioned earlier. Those yeah. dudes are slow. Yeah, they, they, there's no acceleration. There's no speed. This is a quarterback. It's and a quarterback. you you should be able to close and converse on him just like that. But they were not able to. And he picked up necessary yardage. And as they converted, conversed on him, it looked like a couple of them might have closed their eyes when they went to tackling. <laughs> and hit each other. Hey, hey, that's, a, that's, a, that's what I was going to say. It's one thing to converge on a guy, man. you got to make the tackle, right? And yeah. you know, we, we know that that's more, it's more of a problem in the NFL. I mean, you've got 15 padded practices in the NFL once the season starts now, right? I mean, you got to, you got to get those guys yeah. to the point, take that extra step and make that tackle defensive what? lineman start sure. to jog. As yeah. soon as he gets a couple of yards downfield, yeah. I mean, that, that level of effort's not going to get it done. Okay. So that's one out of 10 on third down for Michigan. And we get to the denouement of this game. The, the final last hurrah. For, for Michael Penix, this is the throw that he made early in the fourth quarter, and he finally connects on one, and a flag flies. If we see this play, yeah, it, it is one big time good. It's a pump and go. He threw it off his back foot, but he got Roma Dunze, uh open. He made a nice catch straight over the the shoulder, over the head, and there's a hold on the play. And it's called back, and that was basically the end of Washington on that. Yeah, you, you, they was having all sorts of problems on that right side of the offensive line all night yeah. long. Yeah, and so I, I guess the only thing you can do is grab them at that point, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get you get beat like that. You watch; he doesn't take any kind of any kind of set. You know that first that first step. You got a speed rusher like that. That step's got to be upfield. Right. And uh, doesn't doesn't converge on him quickly enough. Doesn't close the door on the inside. It's just bad feet. Right. You can't. Yeah, you, you, you can't just use your hands in, in a situation like that. Once you take yeah. that set, you so, got to use your feet and get back to the inside. And look, man, it's easier said than done. And we talk about, yeah, we want to be a, a line of scrimmage team. And everybody says that's the way to win national championships. Those guys aren't hard. Or those guys are hard to find. Like it's one thing to find a big guy, right? Then you got to find a big guy that's got decent feet, but yeah. then you got to have, especially at the, at, you know, when those guys make that transition and moving forward a little bit, guys just got to have a little bit of mean on them. You know, that key, right? Like those offensive linemen, the best offensive linemen, they got those elements. They got the size, they got the speed, they got the feet, but they just got a little bit of mean on them. And you just didn't see that. You better get some of those guys, but there are only so many of them around. Yeah. So, Keyshawn, did Roma Dunze, Kirk Herbstreit calls him the best receiver in college football. He catch your eye at all? I, I don't know that he's special. No, I don't, I don't think know, he's the best. No, the best dude is at Ohio well, State. That, that's, yeah, that's hands down. I said even, that last night. I'm it's, like, it's, I, it's I don't not know about even, that guy at Ohio State. Yeah, he's yeah. calling the game, so I understand yeah. he's calling the game. I mean, Rome was, was incredibly productive. He, he's productive yes. and he's yes. good, but the best yeah. receiver is at Ohio State. And, you and that's Marvin Harrison Jr. And you interviewed him. Yeah, he's yeah. the best receiver. Okay. It's not even close. All right. All right, Robert, back to you. <laughs> Let's deal with the issue that is prevailing right now. 
Should there be an asterisk on this championship because Jim Harbaugh did get suspended for recruiting violation for three games to start and then obviously for the spying operation that he oversaw, he suspended for the three games late starting pre, obviously, Penn State. What's your gut feeling on how this championship should be viewed historically? Yeah, I don't really think that there should be an asterisk on it. I mean, you know, for me, uh, you know, I, I do have some faith in the investigation, and I think that they did what they needed to do. I mean, you fire the linebacker coach, and, uh, you know, you obviously make that change. He served his suspension. And, you know, I think the details of this are, are, are going to be uh, figured out here at some point. But my, my guess is that the linebacker coach and counter stallions, they wanted to keep this isolated. They didn't want this to run up the chain in case they were caught because uh, they felt that if there was some, at least some plausible deniability, and I think there's probably yeah. uh, actual deniability. I mean, I, I heard old uh, uh, Joel Klatt talk about this. He said that he asked Jim Harbaugh point blank. He said, Jim Harbaugh is one of the coaches, one of the only coaches uh, that's never lied to him. Uh, and obviously he wants to, you know, he wants to put on a good face on this one, but I just don't know. I just don't know. I don't know how much of an impact, especially moving forward, you know, even before the Ohio state game, something like this uh, had been revealed. And, and quite frankly, you know, once offenses get a, get a wind of this and the offenses are doing this anyway, they're changing their signs. They're doing all kinds of things. And this advanced scouting rule was put into place in 1994. And it was really more for budgetary concerns that advanced scouting and the landscape of college football has changed. My guess is that that rule is going to change. I don't really think it has an impact. Yeah on Michigan winning right. the national championship. Yeah, I don't I don't think it has an impact either, Robert, as far as their national championship, because they, if they were cheating, that was a while ago. It wasn't in these last four or five games, right? It just, it just wasn't. Um, so I look at it from that standpoint, and some people say, well, they were put in this position because they won those games that they cheated in. I don't really care about that, <laughs> but as far as I get it, I love Joe Klatt, too, but Joe, don't fall for the I don't know anything from a head coach who runs the entire athletic department, Yeah. okay, at Michigan. He's the head coach who runs the entire athletic department because football is king in Michigan. So let's not, I don't know anything. I can't not fall for that one. But, but, but here's the thing, though, Key. We know that, uh, you know, especially with digital in the digital age, everything's out there. Right. So I'm guessing that there would have been some evidence uncovered by this point that would have implicated Jim Harbaugh if that evidence existed. And that's why, again, you know, you talk about who was it, Mr. Mr. T, who was who was who was the booster that they said they just identified him as Mr. T or some whatever, whoever that booster was that financed this operation. Connor Stallions and that linebacker coach, again, I think that they designed this program intentionally to shield Jim Harbaugh. So that operation, yeah. uh, that spy operation they had was designed to keep him out of this. I know, Keto, you don't believe it. You believe Never. <laughs> never. As I told right. Skip and, and Sharon and Michael Irvin, yeah. I will never believe he did not know anything. 
I've been around too many coaches in my career, and they know everything. Yeah. They know it all, your and personal life and everything. By the way, this is what Jim Harbaugh volunteered last night after the game, if we could quickly see his – it wasn't even a response. He just wanted this on the record last night about how innocent they were. It couldn't have gone better. It went exactly how we wanted it to go, uh, to win every game. Uh, the off-the-field off issues – we're innocent, and, and we, stood, we stood strong and tall because we knew we were innocent, and I just like to point that out. And these guys, these guys are innocent, and yeah, overcome that. Um, it wasn't that hard because we, we knew we were innocent. Okay, <laughs> but they did get caught. For two things, for second-level recruiting violations, for what that's worth, and for Jim obviously oversaw a, a, a sign-stealing operation. Do other schools have? I'm sure they do. Was everybody trying to? Sure, they're all trying to steal signs. The thing I do like about this is that Jim did pay for his transgression, whatever it might yeah. have been. He, he got suspended twice, three games and three games. And by the way, one, they, they weren't sign stealing when they went to Penn State and they beat them and then they beat Ohio State and then they beat Iowa and then they beat Alabama and then they beat Washington. So they did that. That's so, why I said, yeah, that's why yeah. I said, Skip, the last five or so games, yeah. they took care of business. They wasn't they sign stealing at all. But again, Robert, <laughs> that ain't going to get me to say, okay, I don't care, man. I just know better. <laughs> and that's okay. If, if that's, if everybody does it, it's fine. But, don't tell, don't, just don't do this to me. Make me believe you have no knowledge at all about anything that's went on Agreed. in your program. Thank you. I'm just saying. All right, hold that thought because up next, speaking of the NCAA, which is still investigating Jim Harbaugh, next year he will be coaching where? We'll debate. <laughs> no mercy, no mercy. Last night, Jim Harbaugh pretty much clinched that he'll be the hottest name on the NFL job market. As, of course, Michigan won the national championship, Harbaugh, of course, also coached the San Francisco 49ers to three straight NFC championship games and a Super Bowl. Almost won that, lost it to his brother, John. And now every team with an opening in the National Football League will be willing to make Jim a very rich man. Tom Brady and the Raiders, the Chargers, the Falcons, the Commanders, you can name them. So, Robert Smith, what is your best guess on where Jim Harbaugh will coach next year? <laughs> man, I'm, my guess is he's going back to the NFL. And I think one of the biggest reasons is you mentioned it, who he lost that Super Bowl to. You know, not, not only has his brother won the Super Bowl, he won it against him. Yeah. So my guess is having won his national championship, having uh, gotten that uh, Ohio State bear off of his back for the last few years, I think he's going to take another shot at the highest level. He wants to lift the Lombardi trophy. So I think he's going to be back in the NFL. Now, which one of those teams is it going to be? You know, my guess is that it would be the Raiders or, or be the commanders, but we'll see. Yeah, I, you know, I think he's done at Michigan. He's accomplished everything. What he's been there nine, ten years. He's won big. It didn't start off all that great in the beginning. In fact, he took a pay cut because people were just like the the khakis and spending this type of money for a guy to run the sidelines. 
in khakis wasn't quite getting it done. You know, uh, famous alums that played in Michigan was a little upset. Then the moment that Urban Meyer stepped down, everything flipped for him at Michigan. Yep. He accomplished that goal of winning the national championship and bringing Michigan back to some sort of relevancy in college football. Now you look at it and you say, Skip, okay, so now what? The National Football League. He's accomplished in college. There's only two other guys that I think of off the top of my head. Pete Carroll did it. Barry Switzer did it. And Jimmy Johnson. So there's three coaches that won national championships in Super Bowl rings. He can be a guy that's won a national championship. And we, see what he, we saw what he did with the San Francisco 49ers. Yep. To now go and take a team like if, for instance, the Chargers. Now, I don't know the, the Belichick situation in New England. What's going to happen there? Will Belichick become a guy that the Chargers are all of a sudden very, very interested in? But you got the Chargers sitting there with a quarterback. We know that Jim Harbaugh can coach quarterbacks. We, we've seen that, whether it was Andrew Luck, whether it was Alex Smith or Kaepernick, whatever the case is, we've seen that part. Then you look at the Washington Commanders, much like Robert mentioned. That'll be a hot and heavy yeah. situation for them. Now, as far as the Raiders go, it's cool that he hired Don Yee, who represents Tom Brady and Sean Payton and a host of other prominent NFL players and coaches. But in the end, Mark Davis can't listen to Tom Brady about Jim Harbaugh. Mark Davis has got to listen to the pulse of the team in the locker room when it comes to the Raiders. And I know you're saying, here's a guy who took a coach, a team to the Super Bowl, and here's a guy who has only nine games under his belt as a head coach. Yeah. But those players in that locker room in Las Vegas won't AP. Yeah. So you got to be careful. Wouldn't it be interesting? Wouldn't it be interesting, though, if the Raiders hired Harbaugh, Skip, and all of a sudden the Chargers said, hmm, let's interview Antonio Pierce oh, sure. and hire him. And they oh, my God. <laughs> you talk about a rivalry and some stuff that would go on in L.A. That'll yeah. be fun to watch. Are you sure Harbaugh would be interested in the Chargers ownership, which has not been all that stable over the years? Well, wherever, right? he, wherever he goes, he's going to get full control. So yeah, he's, he's going to have full he's, control. He's, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think he doesn't he doesn't make that move unless he has that kind of control. And we know how that how important that can be. But, you know, how, how it went. It went south, obviously, for Bill Belichick. And that's something that, you yeah. know, we've heard over the last day or so with the speculation and we called their game against the Jets on Sunday. And, uh, you know, there, there were the reports that uh, that there would be some sort of separation, whether that was him stepping down or some sort of trade. Uh, but we've heard from him, which is a little bit rare, right? We don't yeah. hear from Bill Belichick a yeah. lot. In these pre press conferences with the local media, uh, being so open about, hey, he would do whatever it, it, it takes to make statements like that publicly, uh, to me, it sounds like, you know, there were some conversations going on, but yeah, I think Jim Harbaugh, he knows that he would want a situation where he does have that kind of control. Okay. So you guys might be right about everything you just said about Jim leaving for pro football. And I'm, I reiterate the NCAA is continuing to investigate Jim. So he might want to be one step ahead of the NCAA law right out the door. Pete Carroll. Yeah or back to Ron Meyer at SMU when he took the New England head coaching job. Okay. <laughs> now, I'm going to read you quickly something Jim said after the game last night that resonated with me and opened my eyes a little wider, if we could show this quote. 
Jim said last night, but someday when they throw dirt over the top of me, if somebody who is eulogizing me, who was on this team or one of my teammates when I was playing at Michigan, if they would simply say he was a Michigan man, that would mean everything. So heart and soul, Jim's presence at Michigan is everything to him and to his father who coached under Bo Schembechler, who obviously coached Jim at Michigan. Jim played at Michigan at quarterback. This is just a gut feeling on my part that if if Jim can work around the fact that they made him, as Keyshawn pointed out, take a pay cut back, you know, five, seven, what was six years ago, he got off to a rocky start. Ohio State was just beating the dog out of him. They, what were some of those scores? 42 to 13, 62 to 39, Ohio State. But once they, as you point out, once Urban was gone and he took it over, now he's won three straight against Robert School. Well, who's to say that Jim isn't looking at Michigan as a potential dynasty, as a potential beyond Bear Bryant, maybe beyond Nick Saban, where, where he could stay there and make a career out of it and win who knows, two, three, four more national championships over the next 10 or so years that he would want to continue to coach into his 70s. That's just me. I, I think heart of hearts, his heart is in Ann Arbor more than it would be in Los Angeles. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I just I think I think I think it's his head again. You know, for me, it's it's the Jim Harbaugh mentality, you know, conquer what's out there yet to be conquered. Yeah. And having gotten to the pinnacle of the sport in the championship game and having lost to his brother exactly. to me, that says to me, that says everything. And it's nothing mean, you know, we, we, we talked about this already, you know, this, this is where he got uh, Mike McDonald and Jesse Minner. He got him from his brother, even though his brother said, that's, you he know, the Mike McDonald thing worked out too good. I need him back. But to me, you can still say he's a Michigan man. You can still say that, uh, you know, he won the national championship for Michigan. He played for Michigan. They can throw dirt over him and say he was a Michigan man if he goes back to the NFL uh, and tries to win a, a Lombardi trophy. So to me, until he definitively says it, we've seen in the past, obviously, you know, with Nick Saban when he was with, uh, with when he was with the Dolphins and he said, you know, he was going to be at Alabama. I haven't heard him say that yet. I did hear in his post game comments or maybe an interview he said something about getting ready for spring ball, but that's natural, right? He's sure. going to say yeah. something like that no. until he definitively says, I am back here coaching the Wolverines next year. I won't believe it because I think he's too much of a competitor to leave that unfinished business at the national football league level. Okay. You, right. you know, losing to his brother in the super bowl, being this close to... By the to, way, it came down to a controversial non-call on what should have been pass interference this, on Michael Crabtree. This yep. close yep. to yep. winning the Lombardi, yep. like Doc Smith says. But, mm -hmm. in, but in the end, the ultimate goal for guys like... He's given Michigan 14, 15 years of his life, meaning as a player and as a coach. He doesn't have to worry about being a Michigan man. He is a Michigan... Man, period. Robert's an Ohio State guy. I'm a USC guy, no matter what we do. But the ultimate goal is to be able to walk around and say you want a Super Bowl. It's a little different than the national championship because unlike Nick Saban, when he decided to leave LSU and go to Miami, Robert, 
Harbaugh has success in the National Football yeah. League. Ooh, a lot of it. Yeah. And was that close? Nick Saban didn't have any success. No. He was like, I got to get back to college. He's already <laughs> won a national championship last night. Yeah. So now the goal is to go to the pros. But here's the key. He's interviewed in the past, too, Skip, for, for jobs. Sure. Whether it was the Broncos, whether it was Chicago or Minnesota. And he's got so none of them. So... Does it mean, or are we so far ahead of it that we just think that these teams are going to want to just hire him and say here, or do they just want to interview him? He's the hottest coach in the world right now because he just won the national championship. But remember, everything has got yep. to align. Yep. You can't just take a job. The owners have got to see eye to eye and understand everything that you want to do to set your program up. He's got it perfect at Michigan. Why would he go take a job in Carolina? For what? Well, that's that's a fact. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, hey, well, that's a that's a that's a. I think that that one's a different conversation, though. I think that there are situations that would be good enough for him. But I I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, he's going to want to get, uh, you know, the the pinnacle, reach the pinnacle of professional sports. It's a different set of challenges, right? But he understands those challenges much better. But I think it is interesting. Like we talk about who hot coaching candidates are. None of that matters until they sit in the room with that GM, yes. with that owner, and they talk through whether they want that player. We can say everybody in the world is a hot candidate, but until that ownership group and that GM, that organization says, yes, we believe he's our guy, then nothing else happens. But I think okay. because of the success that he's already had at that level, what he's learned, what he's demonstrated by what changes he made at Michigan again, I think that was that was big. That was key. And any coaches or any organizations, excuse me, that thought that he was a coaching candidate before, would certainly believe that he is now. Okay. Remember, he was drafted out of Michigan to play quarterback for the Chicago Bears. So would he have some heart in Chicago? That's another organization that I know very well with shaky ownership at the top. It's always never you're, you're never sure who's. It's not available yeah. yet, though. Yeah. Well, but I'm just yeah. saying. Eber, it, we, we, but, just, we just pushed Eberflus out the door. We're not available yet, Skip. I'm, I'm just saying if he's available, they might Tuesday be interested. They if he's available, it might become available. Got okay. it. That is true. All right. To me, the strongest ownership group, the the, the most cerebral group, the, the one that I fear the most as a Dallas Cowboy lifelong diehard fan Washington. is the one in Washington because Josh Harris is serious business. He's obviously got serious money, but that's not the point. He has serious brain power. He, he's brought in Magic Johnson. He's brought in Bob Myers, obviously with NBA connections, but they're smart. They're going to have high sports IQ running that franchise. And even though it's in a city where Jim has no real connections, I will bet you they would make a big run at him because they would say he's our kind of guy. He's smart, high football IQ. And remember, Jim just pulled off a great coaching job because 24-7 sports ranks Michigan's talent. If you combine, uh, you know, signees, you know, high school signees plus portal, it was only the 15th best talent group of talent in the country this year. So he he did. A, he, he's a great. Co I don't I don't think anybody have any issue with 
with how great a coach he is. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah, He's and, a hell of a coach. And, 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 uh, I'm sorry, Rick Spielman as well. We brought Rick He's Spielman there. in uh, to, yep. to make that to make that evaluation. And I yep. think to your point, Skip, you know, taking talent that isn't necessarily the highest level and converting that talent, molding that talent into a he championship did. team. It's 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 almost the same thing that he did at Stanford, right? I mean, yeah, you remember those is. days, Key, when he when he was out in the Pac-12. I mean, going against the USC's of the world and all these talented teams, Oregon's, and be able to do it his way. Now, look, you can only do so much of that National Football League level. You know, we've we've seen some examples of that. I mean, the Ravens, even though you know bringing in Todd Munkin this year, gone to more of a passing attack, and they got rid of Greg Roman, who had been the offensive coordinator there at San Francisco. We see in Tennessee, Vrabel has tried to institute those offensive line, defensive line kind of teams, and that's worked to limited success. Although you know they've been hamstrung for a number of different reasons, but the point of the the point of it is, we've seen Jim Harbaugh take second level talent and turn it into championship level yeah. football. And yeah. I think that is what is going to impress these organizations the most. I saw him elevate Colin Kaepernick in midseason and replace Alex Smith, the first pick in the draft with Colin. He right, he put him on the map. I mean, he no, gave he, him his shot. Yeah, there's no, there's no denying yeah. his ability to recognize talent and his ability to coach the talent that he recognizes. Yeah. And it fits what he wants to do, whether it was at uh, – Stanford or or San Francisco or even here at Michigan. So yep. the jobs are available, and he should probably yep. take a look at one. He just well might. Robert, we love well, you. And, and we I appreciate think, I think, you. I, well, just, just, go ahead, Robert. Just, just yeah. real quick, last thing yeah. I was going to say, you know, the, the example, again, getting rid of Don Brown, bringing in Mike McDonald, going to Jesse Minner, that also demonstrates that he knows how to evaluate the talent of coaches, okay. which I think is the yeah. most important part when you're talking about the NFL because you're going to acquire the talent. The talent is going to be somewhat level. But can you evaluate those coaches and realize the system that you have in place? Is it best for the players that you have? So that's a big part of it as well. Yeah. Robert, we appreciate you. We'll look forward to checking in with you again very soon. Go Bucks. All right. Yeah, way to go. All right. Jerry Jones just put Mike McCarthy on the hot seat. And I, for one, love it. No mercy. No mercy. No mercy. Fall back down. Mike McCarthy fired Kellen Moore and took over the play calling this season. And guess what? Cowboys led the NFL in scoring 29.9 points a game. Let's call it 30, just as they led it with Kellen Moore calling plays in 2021. Yet, Jerry Jones said after Sunday's crucial win at Washington that McCarthy will be evaluated one playoff game at a time. Richard Sherman, good morning to you. And I ask you, do you agree or disagree with Jerry's approach? Well, I... I, I guess I disagree with the assessment, you know, but this is Jerry Jones. This is how it's been. This is where he stood during training camp. This is where he stood in the offseason. So I don't have a problem with what he said necessarily. It's just the time in which he said it. You know, I, I guess he could have said this after the season or before the season. But when you say it right before the playoffs, it's going to put an unnecessary bug in his ear, an unnecessary seed of doubt. Uh, and may affect decisions that he makes throughout these games because he feel like feel like he's coaching for his life. Mm. And if you look at the team, 
and you looked at Dak Prescott and you listened to, to how he's speaking about McCarthy and you listen to C.D. Lamb and you see C.D. Lamb and the resurgence and the, the unbelievable season that he's had, number one in a number of categories, and you tell me, hey, none of that matters if you don't get us to the Super Bowl or an NFC championship game, you're fired either way. That seems like that that seems like poor leadership to me because at the end of the day, things have improved. Things have improved. This offense has Dak Prescott. He's playing some of his best football of his career. The team overall is playing fantastic football. It seems like everything's trending in the right direction. They're the number two seed in the NFC. They'll have two home games if they, you know, if they make it as far as they need to make it. But for him to say that when things seem to be on the up and up just seems like an unnecessary distraction and an un- unnecessary bit of drama that went into these playoffs. Because I think, you know, Keyshawn, Skip, you, we all knew that, hey, if you don't take him to the NFC, we said it multiple times, he's probably gone. We don't need you to say it, Jerry, because you actually have the power to get it done. And so when you say it, when, when, when me, Keyshawn, Skip say it, you know, it's just us media, we speculate and we, we but when you say it, that you really are in control of this man's livelihood and it has a different impact. So I think he should have been more cautious about delivering this. Unwarranted pressure, as I tried to tell you and Michael mm-hmm. yesterday. Yep. Skip, it's Unsuccessfully, un- you tried to, it, but go it, ahead. Yeah, it, it, but here I am with Richard Sherman coming mm-hmm. on a day later, <clears throat> essentially echoing the same thing that I said. Yeah. Why would you apply this type of pressure at the start of the playoffs where a coach now is going to be coaching scared and trying to figure out if he's making the right or the wrong calls in certain situations, why would you do that? Mm. When you could have very simply, easily said something totally different. If that question was posed, he could have simply just said, we're happy to have a number two seed right now. I can't wait to play the Green Bay Packers, and then we're going to move on from there, and hopefully we get another opponent a week later. Just say those things. Mm. You don't need to say you're going to evaluate him game to game as time goes on. So every single game, when Mike McCarthy comes out of the locker room, onto the field, Mm -hmm. doing the pregame, he's going to be sitting around on that bench. You know how they sit on the benches, Sherman, they get to thinking doing pregame? He's going to be sitting there thinking, Mm -hmm. this might be my last game. This might actually be my last game. He's really going to sit there with his play call sheet thinking about, Damn, this might be my last game. Mm. And, and, and so now you dive into the game, right? And as I tried to explain to you and Michael yesterday, all of a sudden, do I take the three or do I try to go for it on fourth and two? Well, if I go for it on fourth and two and I don't get it, ah, well, if I kick the field goal and we down still, you don't do that to coaches, man. Mm. You just don't. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I understand you want – yeah. In a certain way because you're a Cowboy fan. Yeah. But you don't do that, Skip. And I understand. You want him no. to lose, and that's okay. I don't want him to lose. I don't care. Uh, Keyshawn, I've been hearing those kind of things that you wanted Jerry to say for 28 long years. There has been no accountability in this franchise. There's been no urgency in this franchise. There's no fear factor in that locker room or in those coaches' offices of if you don't get this done, heads will roll. You don't think he yeah. know that? You don't oh, think Mike on. McCarthy and his staff hey. already know if we don't I'll go to the G- NFC Championship game, at least some I'll, of us are going to be replaced. All Jerry has ever know. said for 28 years is it's going to be okay, and I love oh. Mike, and he can be here as long as he wants to be. I don't want to hear any of that anymore. 
I believe that once Jerry enshrined Jimmy on going back to Saturday nights ago in the ring of honor, once that happened, I believe that Jerry wised up and woke up and took a page out of Jimmy's playbook and sent a message, not just to Mike, but to the locker room of, I won't stand for this anymore. I'm going to evaluate everybody on a game-to-game basis because what do I know about Mike McCarthy? If we go back a couple of years ago, they had a home playoff game against Jimmy G and the San Francisco 49ers, and they did not show up for that game. They were not ready to play that game. I also know they went out to San Francisco a year ago, and they lost a playoff game that the team played fairly well in and the quarterback played very poorly in and they lost 19 to 12. All I know about this year is if you look closely and I've had to take your guys verbal abuse about all these games I'm about to mention, they went to Arizona and laid the biggest egg of the year and it was embarrassing and humiliating. Then they went to San Francisco and got annihilated and humiliated 42 to 10. And they went to Buffalo and got literally run off the football field. And they went to Miami and lost and they came home and they lost to Detroit. They lost the football game until the referee screwed up and took them off the hook. That's what I've been seeing. And God bless them. They went to Washington and you scoffed and laughed as you probably should have on Monday. But they did go take care of business. And because Philadelphia fell right into their laps, so and fell on their faces, the two seed fell into our laps. We lucked into the two seed. So here we go. We got an opportunity. We, we could have two potential home games. And I love it that Jerry says, well, I'm going to evaluate this a game at a time. I think he's evaluating everybody. I, I think he's evaluating the quarterback a game at a time before he decides I'm going to bet the ranch on the quarterback long term. Let's see what we see, because the track record here. They did go win at Tampa last year, but what's Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl 13 years ago in Green Bay. And then what exactly has he done since then? Not all that much. What you, just he, won, yeah. you just won a division. Yeah. Not we, only did, did you we not, not just back win. into it. Did it doesn't we, matter. You yeah. won it, though, Skip. Yeah. You won the division. You're the number two seed. Like Richard said, you got a chance to have two home mm-hmm. playoff games. Yeah. And maybe... Just maybe something happens in San Francisco along the way, and maybe you get the NFC Championship game in Dallas. Who knows? Okay. But you can't sit here and try and tell me that applying this type of pressure to a coach, not in the middle of the year, not at the beginning of the season, not coming out of training camp, but right before you have a playoff game, you now are going to tell the world you're evaluating him on a game-by-game basis yep. as if he just didn't win the division okay, Okay, and have the second seed. Mm-hmm. Are you crazy? And he had the number one offense. No, and he's finally smart. Finally, after oh all these years. He's shot 28 years. You can't do I don't, that. I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. And, and 28 years is a long time, Skip. But what in these 28 years has shown you that fear – is the great motivator. What has it? What has? <laughs> what have these other owners done that has shown uh, you? Hey, Richard, I, I, they're they're going to no, tell no, their no, coach no, no, before no. the playoffs. No, Richard, I covered Tom Landry's Dallas Cowboys for I years don't care and years. What you I covered, covered you Jimmy Johnson's 30, Dallas 30 Cowboys years for ago. years and years, years and they ago. motivated by fear. The players yeah, walked into those locker rooms and they were scared to death of Tom Landry and Jimmy right Johnson. Now. Trust me, I can tell you about good fear, a lot of stuff good fear. that was happening 30 years no, ago I that cannot it. happen I right now, Skip. Yeah. I, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. A lot of people experienced a lot of stuff 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. I tell you, color my skin, Skip, it was a whole different conversation, so I don't care. So it's a different day and age. 
it's a different day and age, and you have to evolve. Let's if you're telling me, hey, let's how it was say it's okay. 30 years ago, I need it's to go okay. back to that way. Sure. That, that okay. Tom Landry and those guys could not coach during this time. It's a different time, Skip. No, it's not. It's not. The last, the last five Super Bowls, Skip. Take me through those coaches. Take me through that ownership. Tell me how they motivated. Did they did they scare them? Did they tell them, hey, you don't win these playoff games? Did Clark Hunt say that to Andy Reid? You think that's how he's, he's talking to him? No. I guarantee no. you he's not. No. I don't think that's how he's doing it. I don't think the Glazers said that to Bruce Arians when Tom and those boys that made a run. I don't think they really did it like that. I don't think Stan Kroenke really motivated like that. I think yep. they just let their coaching staff do what they do, and then they make decisions behind closed doors if things aren't the way they need it to be. And, and well, I understand what you're saying, Skip, about the past, the 28 years, and the ghost, and all of those sort of things. You can coach players hard to this. They're still hard coaching and going on to the National Football League. Isn't Everything is not a country club. But here's what I would say. When you say he's talking to the players mm -hmm. as well as the coaching staff, well, I can tell you right now, he ain't talking to Dak Prescott because you got to pay him. So he ain't talking to C.E. Right. Lamb because you got to pay him. He ain't talking to Michael Parsons because he got to pay him. He ain't talking to Lawrence because Lawrence is under contract and he's there and he's been playing well. Okay? He, his, 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 so he's only talking to Mike McCarthy. He's not talking to his right. core group of guys. Yeah. That's him. Jerry Jones sending that type of message does not affect the players. What it will affect is how coaches coach. When you're coaching so tight that you can't shoot a BB out of it, mm -hmm. that's a real problem. <laughs> that's just the reality of it. And I believe that he has put undue stress and pressure on this man. No, he, he has. There's oh. no need to do that. He's, He's already yeah. coaching the Cowboys. No. You keep mentioning 28 years and 1996 Super Bowl mm -hmm. in Arizona. You don't think Mike McCarthy knows this already? Mm. You don't think Dan Quinn knows this already? What's of Mike McCarthy's biggest flaw? What 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 is his? his well, y'all say clock management. No, I don't know what his no, biggest flaw no. is now, because it changes. Motivation. Skip says motivation. Getting, getting team ready to play. Just having them ready to play. There's no strong leadership in that locker room. I do not think my quarterback is what I call I, I, a strong I, I leader. I watched people. Condemn Tony Dungy mm -hmm. because he was a soft, quiet leader. Yeah, but who do you okay? have in the locker room? But I, I understand that he had certain guys in the locker yeah. room. But they, I'm talking about the coaching standpoint. Mm -hmm. I watch people say, oh, he's just too, mm -hmm. he's just too. The man didn't do nothing but just set records and go on and win a Super Bowl and, and, and re reshape what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was about he before he went to Indianapolis. Yeah. So just because Mike McCarthy is not a screamer and a yeller on the street, there's Pete Carroll. But they yeah, get the no, message. But, but Richard knows. They he's, get the message. He's very emotional. And you, Richard, were your teams ready to play when it was time to play? You had strong leadership in your locker room, obviously. But, but Pete was, was an emotional leader. I, I think he got his team. He always has his teams ready to play. And you don't yeah, think Mike would, McCarthy has that. his teams ready no. to play? No. Are you serious? But they just went. Are you They serious? just got the second Have seed. Have you been watching? They got the second seed. Yeah, we backed into they, it. And they the won the division. Yeah. But now your coach doesn't know what the hell he's okay. doing. Okay, what happened at Arizona? What happened at San Francisco? You were there. You laughed at me. You scoffed so, at me. So I'm going to laugh at you. Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm saying this. So with your quarterback playing the best ball he's ever played, yep. you got a receiver who's likely an all-pro, probably a potential for the player of the year, but Christian McCaffrey had too big of a year, so I, you know, it, it, it's going to be closer than people gonna think. It's going to be close, yeah. Uh, you got a great defensive coordinator, a defense that's played really good football, yeah. but you're telling me that 
hey, we're going to get rid of these, this guy because we think we can do better. You think you can get somebody can get more out of Dak Prescott. You think somebody can get more out of C.D. Lamb. You think somebody can get more out of his team because when yes. you fire a head coach, that's what you're saying. Yes. That's, you're saying that. And, and, urgency. And, and, and what, what I'm urgency. telling you is. We need to be ready to yeah. play. I've seen too many games where they came out flat and not ready to play football. It, what, what, what's the Cowboys? Then that Cowboys seems like a personnel issue yeah. more than. What's what, your record What happened in Arizona? What, what happened? But that was the beginning yeah. of the season. Uh, what was your record this year? 13 and 4? Uh, 12, 12 and, and 5. I think. Five. 12, so you're yeah. 12 and 5. So, yeah. You so, got the so number two seed. San Francisco. You're getting ready to, you're getting ready to pull mm-hmm. what the Chargers did to Schottenheimer when he was, I think he would, tw- what did he go, 12 and 4, something like that? Or was it 14 and 2? It was a crazy record, and they parted ways with him, and yeah. they still ain't been the same. You get ready yeah. to tell yeah. me you get ready to think about doing that. Well, what happened to Wade Phillips once upon a time in Dallas? That was was that around your time? Yes, but it flamed yeah. out though. Okay. Well, they had the number one seed and they had a home playoff game the and they lost, right? But it flamed out at the time. This guy hasn't right. even he hasn't even started the playoffs yet. And y'all talking about getting rid and, of him. And and they talking about getting rid of him. And that's that's the part that's concerning me, is because like like I told you on this very show, Skip, y'all aren't even like yeah, because you were all excited about the regular season win. I forget who y'all beat. Maybe it was the Eagles or something. And you're talking about how great a job McCarthy's doing and, and how great Dak was and the MVP candidate, which was all accurate at the time. Mm-hmm. But then all that goes out of the window because, hey, now we now the re- I, real I, season starts. I only starts care about now because get, I haven't seen any now lately. I haven't and, seen and, now. And, and, I haven't seen what's about again, to happen right now. And again, hey. I have yet to see a coach strap the cleats on and hey. walk out on that field. Not everything that happens in the playoffs are up to the coach. Not everything that goes on is because the coach didn't get his team ready or the coach, the guys the drop passes, not. guys yeah. make mistakes, guys don't sure. show up in big moments. Yeah. It don't matter who the coach is. You can be the greatest coach ever. If I drop the pass or if I give up, I blow the coverage, or if I have a brain fart, then we can lose the game. Sure. What I'm telling you, Skip, is you're looking at one side of the coin. And the other side of that coin is it can get worse. Yeah, okay, I got you. But I need somebody to set the right tone going into this game and what I hope to be maybe two more home playoff games. I need this team to be ready to play because Green Bay will be ready to play because they got nothing to lose. We're about to talk about their young quarterback who is coming of age right before your very eyes and is doing some extraordinary things. You better be ready to play because you're better than Green Bay, but you have to show that immediately. You have to take immediate control of this game. And I don't still trust Mike McCarthy to do that. If we come out flat and fall on our face masks, Mike McCarthy will be gone. So, you're telling, so in gone. other words, you, you're telling me you're going to have a new coach Tuesday. Is that what you're telling me? Well, if we lose, we will. Not by Tuesday. We won't have the old coach by Tuesday. So you'll have you a new coach by Tuesday. Well, I That's don't what know. you seem like. What, you're what telling you, me. Well, are you saying we're going to go hire Jim Harbaugh? No, what I'm, saying, what I'm saying is you're saying that he's probably going to lose the game based on the way, the way you're talking. Well, I didn't and then say gonna, that. I said then they're going well, to hire somebody. So yeah. eventually that spot becomes open. So therefore you'll have a new coach. I just said if we lose, he's gone. You don't. You, do you, you think, disagree? Do you think, do you think they're going to lose? No. Okay. Absolutely not. So why are you They're talking seven like that point then? favorites. So why are you acting because like that? It's fine like for Jerry to say I'm going game by game. I love that. So if he there's finally some, showed some so leadership. If there's some, mistakes, as the made, if there's some yeah. mistakes made in the game by the coach, are you going to blame Jimmy? I mean, blame Jerry? Blame Jerry for yeah. the mistakes? Yeah. Well, you will. Now you've set the tone. Oh. Yeah. 
But I'm just, just asking you. You're, you're just waiting for them to lose. Are you predicting they're going to lose? Don't worry about that. I'll tell yeah. you on Friday. I think you're going to pick Green Bay in this game, and I'm going to love it okay. because I might win some more. Okay. Well, then don't yeah. worry about yeah. nothing here. You're good. Right. Okay, I'm good. Unfortunately, John Morant is not good. There's no more jaw this season. We're about to react to that in just a moment. No mercy. No mercy. No mercy. It's now your turn. Hashtag Undisputed Live. Here we go with the first tweet. Skip declaring the Cowboys curse officially dead. I think that's a voodoo doll. I may have to try that that? before the San Francisco game. Is that Jim Carrey? I don't know who that is. I'm not sure if it's Jim Carrey or not, but I like the idea. Tweet number two. uh, This is replying to to me and I tweeted where will Jim Harbaugh coach and the answer is the Bears well we talked about they still have a coach as we speak but if Jim comes available yeah, I, don't I don't know he's Even available if he comes available he is available yeah yeah you know he's available Diane you've been That's working the, the phone for the last month man Probably come on who do you think you're talking to yeah good point and finally we have Keyshawn trying to slow down the Cowboys train <laughs> I like that yeah, Toby McGuire, <laughs> I gotta Spider-Man. slow it down because yeah. you get beside yourself, man. You get, you just you you do too much. Yeah, you gotta but, calm down. But Skip. It looks like Toby's having a hard time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm gonna let it go. That's okay. Hey, look, hey, that's okay, Shire. I'm just gonna throw the 49s in front of him and see if that stop him. <laughs> yeah, that might. That's it. That's yeah. it, Keith. That's what Sherm's hoping for. <laughs> All right. On a more serious note. Poor Ja Morant. He's gone again, this time for the rest of the season, thanks to a right shoulder injury that will require surgery. The Grizzlies announced that Ja tore his labrum in a training session last Saturday. Memphis 6-3 and three since Ja's return from suspension, and since he's returned, he's been averaging 25 and 8 assists. Keyshawn, your reaction to this news? Yeah, it's it's uh it's unfortunate. I you know, I didn't even realize he's only played nine games this yeah. season so far. I mean, I know he missed time obviously with the suspension, but you know, he's averaging he came back, he averaged twenty-five points a game, eight assists. It certainly looked like that they was headed in the right direction to maybe get themselves in a, a, a nice playoff spot to contend. Um it's just one. He done had a all I can do is say, man, he done had a rough twelve months or so. Rough. Right? I mean yeah, it's just Rough one. In in these situations, I think he'll come back healthy. I think he'll be fine. Um, he'll have time to, to to heal. He'll have time to think. He'll have time to get a lot of other things in order. And so it's just unfortunate that we don't get a chance to see him play the rest of the season. No. I mean, he's such a yeah, phenomenal I, young player. Yeah. I think it's devastating for, for not only the Grizzlies, but for the league. You know, it's, it's one of those situations. He came back, got player of the month right off the bat. Um, came in ready to play, playing great basketball, elevating his team, doing everything that you expect, uh, making statements almost every game. You saw him, you know, in the clip dunk on uh, Wimbenyana. He did. You know, that's more of a statement play. He was he was out there to prove a point. It's unfortunate that we won't get to to, to see him play. You know, I, I think it's devastating to the, to the Grizzlies' chances to do anything special yeah. this season because obviously you, we saw how they looked the 25 games that he missed. Um, and we saw how he looked when, when he came back and how different that entire team was. But 
Uh, yeah, like like he said, it's going to be a tough. It's been a tough 12 months for him. It's going to be a tough rehab process because you you get so lost in your own head when you when you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, it's easier to get motivated and, and work hard and, and do all this because he knew 25 games, a 26 game. I'm back out there. I'm, I'm doing my thing now that your season's over again. And, you know, you have to wait till next year. You know, there's so much that can happen. So I hope that he has great people in his corner. I hope he has has great people to talk to that, yep. that call him, check on him, text him, because, you know, it's a slippery slope. And when you fall into that that dark place, you know, especially with injuries, yep. you know, things can kind of spiral. So I hope he good has good point. people around him. Good did, this, did this injury come from the, the, the wear and tear and the banging over time? Or did he I mean, fall? Because he is weird. a smaller guy. It's weird they said it was in a training session. I didn't know if that meant he was lifting weights or, or something. I, I don't know. It didn't sound like it was playing basketball to me. I, I don't know, but whatever. Richard and I were talking yesterday about Stefan Gilmore and his shoulder popped out. And as Richard said, when that happens, you usually tear something because Richard's gone through it before. And I, I don't know because he is a smaller man who reaches Iverson Heights, you know, when he goes up. It, I mean, he can just flat out, you know, inch for inch, there's not a better leaper in, in the NBA than Ja. But what goes up must come down, and so you could be right. Maybe you just you have too many high flyer descents and to hit the hardwood, as they call it. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and look again, I don't know the extent of the injury and how it occurred, but I, I would just think that he's getting banged around because he is a smaller guy. It's yeah. not like he's walking around with the white Howard shoulders. No, and so you know this team will have an opportunity to now rethink their roster as they try to make a playoff push again. And if not, they can rethink their roster for next year when he comes back. Sure. I mean, no. it's just... No, I got it's it. It's really where it's at. But what struck me about this is I was in awe of the impact this young man had on that basketball team as soon as he stepped back yes. out onto the floor at New Orleans, and he's going head-to-head -head with the guy who was picked above him, Zion, obviously, in that draft. And he just took the game over in his first game back down the stretch. And you could just see his teammates. They just look different because they've been horrible without him. They've been hapless and hopeless. And they've just been another bad basketball team until he steps back on the floor. And all of a sudden, they look like a playoff team to me. And they went 6-3 and three in those nine games. But he just was like lightning striking that team in a great way where, where all of a sudden you could just see the body language change of everybody around him. And then I was watching a game with my wife Ernestine the other night. I can't remember which game it was, but at the end of the game, it might have been a Laker game, but I can't remember. But, but it was Ja and Jaron Jackson Jr. They did a joint interview at the end of the game. They kind of leaned up against the scorer's table. And I commented. Laker game. It was the Laker game, right? And, and I commented to Ernestine. That, that was the best post-game interview Jaws ever given because he, he, he really is right before you. He's growing up right before your very eyes, and he's been through a lot of stuff. We know about all the stuff off the court, but he is maturing. He's getting a hold of it. He's becoming the face of that franchise and the team leader, and he gave a great breakdown of the game, and it was insightful, and it was still entertaining because he's always entertaining. But you remember some of the, the interviews from – playoffs past where he'd just go crazy after the game and we're going to do this and we got this and we did this and and th this was 
a maturing basketball player and a leader and a face of the NBA right before your very eyes, and then this happens. Well, I think a couple yeah. months ago they took it away from him. They did. So, That's a great point. That's you know, what happened. When, when yeah. you miss something that 25 you so deeply you love, miss. and you're yep. missing 25 games, yep. and you're watching your teammates out on the floor, and you're at home or wherever you're at, you're thinking a lot. You're processing who you are, and so, yeah, you're going to grow naturally. That's just, if you have any sense at all, you're going to grow because you, you're looking at the reaction of what people are saying. You're seeing it, and you're saying to yourself, I got to make a change. I got to do things differently, and I think he did. I think when you talk about that game against Zion and coming back at the Pelicans, yep. he let everybody know, I do got receipts. I <laughs> yeah. understand what's out he there, did. what people are saying about yep. me, and I'm going to show you all that I'm a different mm -hmm. human being on and off the court. Yeah, and – and I, I think that's going to have to continue because this is, as you know, Keyshawn, this rehab process, especially after he just saw the light. You know what I mean? It's like getting a taste of food, being in the desert. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you're parched and you get a taste of some water and then they yeah. snatch the water away from you and you're still in the desert. And so I think that this is going to be an important time for him uh, to continue that growth, to continue that maturity, to continue to show that he, he's changed and that he's a better person. I think, again, he needs to be surrounded by good people. I know, Skip, you, you brought up the first game he came back, you know, how the, you know, the crowd, his dad was there, his boys was there, and it looks like, you know, he's the same crowd, but I, I would assume those guys understand it, the it circumstances like and it. understand yep. ways, yep. ways to help him. Mm -hmm. So I, I just hope, you know, I know it could get bad with this, with this rehab process, and, and especially when you just came back and you felt a taste of, of, of your love and appreciation and your passion yep. for the game. Yeah. And have it snatched again. Well, hopefully the team, Skip, will have the necessary people around doing his rehab. It, won't wanna, it will not be one of those rehabs where all of a sudden he goes off somewhere and he's going to be away from the yeah. team for an extended period of time while he's rehabbing because he has his own trainer and his own this and his own that. Right. It should all be within that organization so they can keep a close watch and eye just like they did when the 25 games was taken away from him, yeah. or when he came back, he was around his team. Because what you don't want to do as a player that's injured is have him isolated. That's the worst thing that, that you could possibly do for an injured player is not have him be still part of the team. Because, he look, he can still lead even though he's not. it's not the same type of leadership uh, when you're playing on the court. But yeah. when you're in the building and people seeing you and you're around, you, the type of person he is – He's, he's got this, this aura about him when he walks into a room, the room lights up. It, it and does. so your team can still yep. use a little bit of that at times. That's true. The only silver lining to this injury, at least it's not his legs. It's least, at least it's not a knee. It's not an Achilles. It's not a broken leg. It's not something that could affect him long term as in career threatening that you would think that a labrum, you, you could fix it and it will be as close as you can get to 100% going forward. It is his right arm, obviously his shooting arm. But, That's what I was, I was yeah. just literally thinking. Yeah, it's, 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 it's right. It's his right. But, but you would hope that, that it, won't, it won't impact him at all going forward the way a, some lower leg or knee issue could, right? Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, it won't affect his explosiveness and all that. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Skip. That would, that would be way more devastating and way more concerning. Yeah. My final thought on this, and you guys weigh in if you like, but I don't want to get too mystical or spiritual here, but every time injuries like this happen, I just say, why, why did that happen? You know, how do you explain, as you guys know, you played a very violent game, but they just happened weirdly, inexplicably, and 
you, you can't explain it. You just have to deal with it. You so, just some, have to, some things yeah. are wear and tear on your body. Well, it just depends it on, yep. like I said, I don't know the nature of the injury and how it occurred, but it, in the end, he's a smaller guy. Yep. He jumps out the gym. He does. And he bangs up against people. Basketball, people think basketball is a, a soft situation. It's not. Basketball is rough, man. In, the, in that paint, that stuff gets real dicey, you know. It, it, and so he's a guy who goes to the cup a lot. So you can see where he can get banged up in these situations. And so the great thing, like you said, is it's not his legs. No. It's, in, it's his shooting arm. But here's what I would say. I can guarantee you when he comes back, though, somebody go catch one of them dunks <laughs> just to show you that I'm healthy. Yeah. Well. So I have a lot behind it. He got Wimby. So we wish you well, John. We're going to miss you. Up next, Aaron Rodgers, Uh here we go again, causes another distraction by saying the Jets should flush the distraction. Aaron Rodgers yesterday told the media that the Jets have to flush the BS. He said, anything in this building that we're doing that has nothing to do with winning needs to be assessed. Everything that we do has to have a purpose. The bull bleep that has nothing to do with winning has to get out of the building, said Aaron Rodgers. Now, I'm sure Keyshawn and Rich are going to disagree with me on this, but for me, this was laugh out loud. All-time hypocrisy. Aaron Rodgers, to me, led the NFL in creating distractions for his new team this season, and he played only four snaps. His weekly TV gig was a headline and controversy a week, of course, hitting a crescendo with his Jimmy Kimmel comment. Aaron Rodgers is a one-man dynamo of distraction because he always has to be the center of attention. The irony is this flush the BS comment is a distraction unto itself, as Rodgers knew before he uttered it. He's a master media manipulator who has brilliantly taken the focus off his repeated playoff failures since that Super Bowl 13 years ago. Jimmy Kimmel delivered a scathing monologue rebuke of the accusation that Rodgers made against him. And then yesterday, Rodgers said he will respond to Kimmel on today's Pat McAfee show. Tune in, he said, which will create yet another distraction that needs to be flushed. But that's just me, Keyshawn. Your response, please, to Aaron Rodgers saying it's time to flush the BS. Well, I don't know. I really don't know what he what he's talking about when he says flush the BS. I don't know if it's the Zach Wilson leaks that was coming out of the locker room about whether he wanted to play or not. Um, I, I don't know. But I can surely say this, though. He is right. If you, if you want to build a championship team, yeah. everything needs to stay in-house in the building. There's no question about it. You don't need hard knocks. You, you, you don't need that. You don't need hard knocks. They, they, you know, and you don't need Aaron Rodgers continuing to go on the Pat McAfee show because that's not inside the building. No. That is bringing a bunch of BS and un- unwanted noise to a team. It's something to talk about every single day. So True. Even though he's saying all this, he's got to look at himself in the mirror and realize maybe those players in that locker room don't want to watch you on Pat McAfee show every single time you're on talking about something 
that you have nothing to do with. You know, you're not playing on the team. You're talking about what the Jets are doing. And now you got this rip with Jimmy Kimmel. Like, yep. they don't want to hear that. So that's unwarranted BS that's coming out of Jets' locker room. So he's got to look at that and be able to say, okay, if I'm telling everybody else that they have to march a certain way, then I need to be able to get in line with them mm-hmm. and march that way too. So I'm not bringing this BS to our foundation as we try to build in 2024 a championship caliber team. That's really all I got for you, uh, Skip. All I right. don't I don't really have anything okay. else. All right, go, Richard. Yeah, I, I, I feel him. I feel him. Yeah, what he's talking about is just winning culture. I think he's talking about the leaks um, for the Zach Wilson stuff. Anytime you're letting stuff like that kind of divide a play, stuff like that was unnecessary noise. Hey, the guy don't want to play anymore. Like, that's unnecessary to say, and there's no positive spin to that. There's no positive way that could have been given and said, hey, this is going to help this franchise in some way. I think that's what he's saying. He's saying, let's change the culture. Let's support each other. Let's move forward with everything. Let's erase this season. It wasn't what we wanted it to be. We want to go forward. We want to have a successful year. It starts with daily habits. And at the end of the day, he's a four-time MVP. If he wants to get on a podcast and he wants to get on the show, what he gets to do it. I, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, everybody gets treated equal, but some people get treated different. I, I, you know, you win four MVPs, you get a little bit more leeway in certain situations. But I think in terms of talking about the Jets and talking about things that will divide the team or things that aren't constructive uh, for winning and moving forward, I think he has to be careful with that and heed his own words as well because yeah. he knows there's certain ways you can talk. There's certain things that need to be said, certain things that don't need to be said in the public eye, and that could cause a rift in the locker room. So I think he has to be cognizant of that. I think he will be. But at the end of the day, he's got the, the, the resume. He's got the, the claim to say that. I mean, I think without him saying what he said, I don't know if they bring Nathaniel Hackett back. But he said, hey, I don't think Nathaniel's the problem. I don't think he's the issue. He's the reason a lot of these guys have jobs because he's saying, hey, yeah. I got it. That's on me. My bad. I got hurt. Give me a chance to play and everything will be fine. So I'm, I'm, all, right. I'm all right with it. Okay. So the one thing I do know about football above all the other games is the championship teams are always about unity. They're unified. And you guys <laughs> both know this because you were in two strong locker rooms where key, you're, you're Buccaneers. I, I don't know if, if you could have stronger leadership in a locker room than you guys had, right? No, was we, that, we, had, we had strong leadership on both sides of the ball. That was a tight football team to me that knew exactly what its identity was. And, and the, it, it was a one heartbeat team, even though you had some issues with your coach. But still, it, 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 had, it, was, it was on time for John Gruden to walk in the door and, and maybe he went along for a great ride, but it took it right over the top, right? No, he, okay. yeah, no, yeah. we 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 had a, a, a tight group, and as far as as far as Richard, as far as Aaron Rodgers goes, he's more than welcome to say whatever he wants to say, whenever he wants to say it on anybody's podcast, on any writer's column, on any internet site. He can say whatever the hell he wants to say. Just know that your teammates are watching you, and they're listening to you. So when you say certain things that you may not know affects them from a mental standpoint, yeah. got to be very careful. Because some people don't align themselves with Aaron Rodgers as, as, as much as people might think. 
other people have different views on certain things in life. So when you bring certain things outside the locker room, as you know, very astute as you are, it could screw up your chemistry within that locker room. Yep. No question. Yeah. Okay. So as many people know who've watched me on television low these many years, I, I've never been a fan of Aaron's, especially sort of off the field in the locker room, blame deflecting, finger pointing diva. I, I think they got sick and tired of his act in Green Bay, and I think they are jubilant that they are winning games with somebody and we're about to talk about Jordan Love here in the next few minutes on the show, but somebody that locker room has united around, who that they believe in him, and they're playing hard for him because they want to win with and for him. And that's the opposite of what Aaron has always been. And I know he deeply offended Jimmy Kimmel, who fired back at him because he wrongly accused him, but uh, some of the things in Jimmy's monologue response were um, – that Aaron genuinely thinks that because God gave him the, the ability to throw a ball, he's smarter than everyone else. I, I do believe that's what Aaron thinks. And the other line from Jimmy that resonated with me was that Aaron is too arrogant to realize <clears throat> how ignorant he is on many issues because he, he speaks like he's an expert on immunization and all the other controversies that Aaron has been through. So I appreciated Jimmy's monologue, did not appreciate what Aaron did, and, and yet now Aaron's trying to milk it for another big appearance, I guess it's today, on the McAfee show where he's going to respond to Jimmy and keep that beef going. And, and uh, But see, but see that, but, but that's the part that I'm yeah, talking about. That is correct. It, yeah. it, it probably won't affect the team, but when you're asking... For them to keep everything in-house and do certain things a certain way, yeah. then you have to look at yourself in the mirror and be able to say, okay, I need, if I'm putting these rules down and I'm laying the foundation down like this, I need to adhere to it myself. So I understand going on the podcast and whatever, responding to Jimmy Kimmel. That's done and over with. Why continue to keep doing that? Now your teammates, and I'm sure there's some, because there's a big locker room, as you know, 70-something players between the practice squad and the 53-man roster, and everybody don't align with your thoughts. No. That's, just, that's just what it is. Everybody yeah. doesn't align with it. Yeah. So, Richard, back to you. How good do you think the Jets can be next year with Aaron at 40 years of age? I think they can be a playoff team. They, they got to give them more receivers. Uh, obviously, they, they saw – how they they spoke about how they feel about Lazard and Cobb and those guys that they brought in specifically for Aaron. Uh, I don't think they feel like those guys are the answer. They gave Lazard $10 million a year and decided to make him a healthy scratch for the last, what, three, four games of the yeah. season. Um, so I think they got to get him <clears throat> some receivers. I think offensive line, they got to draft some guys, really solidify that offensive line because nobody can play well if you're getting, if you're on the ground every play. Mm -hmm. And, uh, from the first game of the season, four snaps in. He, he got hit multiple times, and he got sacked yeah. on a play that he tore his Achilles tendon. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that should have been a, a signal right there. Hey, that may be where you need to address next season. But if they get those things fixed, uh, Joe Douglas, you know, solidifies that offensive line. They can be a playoff team. They have a defense that's championship caliber. Uh, and I think we'll continue to play well and continue to grow. Yeah, Yeah. see, I, I thought they would have been a playoff team this year when they grabbed Aaron Rodgers because they were 7-10 and 10 a year ago. You flipped that thing. They could have been 10-7 and 7 with Aaron Rodgers or maybe even better on the win percentage side. But here's what I'm going to say about the division. 
the division that he's in, the Miami Dolphins aren't going anywhere. They're only going to probably get better. And then the Buffalo Bills aren't going anywhere. Now, no. New England will change some stuff up in that spot. But then when you look at the conference as a whole, all you got to do is look at Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland. Cincinnati was derailed because the quarterback got hurt. Those are four teams in another division within your conference that's going to be lights out. And Kansas City. And then yeah. when you go Kansas City yeah. in that division, okay, the Raiders are probably going to be a little bit better. They will. Denver will probably be a little bit better slightly. The Chargers with a new head coach, they got talent. Who knows what that's going to be? So I just think as a conference, Houston, okay, Indy, Jacksonville, you know, you start looking at the conference, that's go- it's going to be tight again next year yep. to make it into the playoffs. So I don't know that they're a playoff team just because mm. Aaron Rodgers is underneath the center. Mm. So Keyshawn. Yeah, I, I, it could be yeah. tough. You're right. The yeah. AFC has gotten a lot better. A lot better. Keyshawn, can Garrett Wilson be better than Keyshawn was when he played for the Jets? Different. It's a different. Mm-hmm. It's a difference. And the, and the difference is when you talk about locker room leadership and you talk about accountability and you talk about all of those sort of things, that was something that I pride myself on. I didn't care about the numbers. My numbers was going to be my numbers. But I can guarantee you when you put on the tape, Every single play I was doing, I was active. I was doing something, and I was involved. And I think Garrett Wilson has that capability of being that way. You know, people look at the numbers, and they oh, he caught 4,000. But what were those 1,000? Were they meaningful? Was the catches meaningful? Or are they just empty padded on statistics? Yep. But I think he's, ha- he's on his way for sure. He's on his way of becoming something special. And I didn't answer the question. If you notice, you I danced around it because I don't want to. We got the answer. We know the answer to that. You already know the answer. Okay. Obviously, he is not nearly as physical as you were as a football player, but he is outspoken. He does I like take him a lot. stances. Oh, you know, like I like he, him a he lot, will man. Stand up and speak out. I was with yeah. him. I was with him his rookie year. Uh, we we spent some time together here in L.A. And I like him. I mean, he he had and yeah. he went to Ohio State. So, you know. Um, I, I just feel like a guy like that, that the sky is the limit. Yep. You know, I don't know how long Aaron Rodgers will play, but if he had a quarterback, he's going to wreck shop in that division for yep. sure if he just gets a quarterback. Yeah, he's, he's going to be an issue. He's a really thoughtful, smart kid, um, good football player, explosive, works hard, um, reliable. If Aaron has him for his full season, I, I think he has, yeah. you know, yep. 13, 1,400 yards yep. and 10-plus touchdowns and – uh, is, is one of the guys you're talking about, you, top 10, top five receivers. You know, Skip, when you play in New York, it's about taking a team, an organization, and a fan base and giving them – because in New York, they, they live and breathe and die with their teams. They're just like, no matter who it is, they can be Met fans. They go crazy, Yankee fans, Nick fans. They, they just love their teams. Mm-hmm. And if Garrett Wilson could take – and move them from where they are now yep. to the next level, it, his career go skyrocket to a whole nother. Man, I went to one NFC, uh, AFC championship game, and I'm still eating. Think about, <laughs> think about that, though. No, no, I'm serious, though. I took the True. Jets. I helped take the Jets. I didn't do it by myself, but I helped take the Jets from a 1-15 team to an AFC championship game, two quarters from going to the Super Bowl, and... I mean, it's, you know, you think I won five damn Super Bowls in New York. Mm. So he, he he has an opportunity. I think you just said you carried the Jets. To no, the no, AFC I said today. not by myself, <laughs> if you heard me. You skip. amended it, but you Freudian slipped with well, that. Well, I mean, if yeah. you watch that divisional game, yeah. I mean, I could, I could get 
braggadocious if you really want me to. I'm trying. Because it's not I'm very many, it's not very many people that yeah. can create a fumble, recover the fumble, get an interception, run a touchdown, and catch one in a playoff game in his first playoff game. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just you know since we want to talk about our that, accolades. That's a that's a stat stuffer right there. That okay. Is. I'm just saying, man. <laughs> you know, I don't remember any of that. I don't. <laughs> you better watch the highlights. Skip, you got, all you got to do is you YouTube it, baby. You memory, though, Skip. Yeah, that was <laughs> ancient. All, all you got to do is YouTube it, baby. All right. Okay. Speaking of greatness, does Jordan Love have some Jordan in him, if you know what I mean? Uh-oh. No mercy. No mercy. No mercy. Man, I, I keep seeing Jordan Love stats that make me uneasy, maybe even a little queasy about Sunday's Packers-Cowboys playoff game. So in his last eight games, Jordan Love has thrown 18 touchdown passes to just one interception. Now it has been brought to my attention that Jordan led the NFL this season with nine starts with multiple touchdown passes and zero interceptions. The last quarterback to do that in his first full season of starting was the greatest Cowboys quarterback ever, Roger Staubach, back in 1971, the year my Cowboys broke through and won their first ever Super Bowl. Uh-oh. I mean, does Jordan Love have a little bit of Jordan in him, as in you-know-who? Keyshawn. Can you ultimately see Jordan Love becoming even better than Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> no, Skip. Nope. Good. Please, I, I need some assurance here. No, he's not going to be better than Aaron Rodgers. Not right now. Well, not even ever. You know how? <clears throat> come on. Man. I don't need to run down the resume. Let's just start by saying the dude won a Super Bowl. Okay, Jordan Love has not. Okay, the dude's got four MVP trophies. He does. Ten Pro Bowl appearances. And when the Pro Bowls really mix up, not this stuff that did that. I'm talking about when you really played in the Pro Bowl, when it really mix up. He was going in. It's just hard, Skip. You know, it's, it's four-time MVP, four-time All-Pro, ten-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, and a host mm. of all sorts of other records. It's just hard to try to apply that type of pressure to this young man to live up to. Mm. Here's what I would say. In his first year as a full-time starter, much like Aaron Rodgers in 2008, Jordan Love in 2023 is a better quarterback, but I think he may have a little bit better players and stuff like that around him than in 08. You know, and it's a young team that they'll grow together. Yeah. But you, you're, you're... Although he hadn't had Christian Watson for a No, I, I, I understand. Okay, I'm ahead. not sold on Christian yeah. Watson, by the way, either. Yeah. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, to me, is their best receiver. Really? They got to figure out Christian how to get him Watson to football. Christian is 6'4 and runs 4 Yeah, but he... Yeah, I, I can't I can't vouch for him like that. But okay. beside that, you got to... He's got a long ways to go. He does, no he's doubt. He's got a long way. But he's come Aaron a long Roger, ways. Aaron Rodgers got a book on him right now, right? I mean, his thing is just like this. So, okay. you know, can Jordan Love make a few playoff games? Yes. But how about this, though? You do know that there's players in the National Football League that have very, very successful careers in Matthew Stafford in Detroit, by the way, mm -hmm. that couldn't win a playoff game, yeah. let alone go to the playoffs multiple times. 
Jordan Love may never get back to the playoffs ever again. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want to. I don't want to start putting that type of pressure on him. All right, Richard. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's not be unfair, because it's really beyond unfair to. You talk about one of the greatest resumes for a quarterback in the history of the game. Four MVPs doesn't happen very often. Peyton had five, but it's not something normal or even close to normal. You know, Andy won a Super Bowl. He went to, I think, five NFC Championship games, maybe six. Like, half the time, Green Bay was in an NFC Championship game. Um, and that's where you got you to gotta be careful because you can when you're comparing somebody, you can only disappoint. You know, so... Let's appreciate that he's had an outstanding season with, you know, over 4,000 yards passing, second in the touchdown passes with 32, seven and three over his last 10. Like you said, over his last eight games, he's 18 touchdowns to one interception. He's played really well. He's played efficiently. Um, He's led his team. He's done it with the record for most touchdowns thrown to first and second year players with 31. And so, Give him his just due, you know, just separate Aaron from this whole equation and appreciate this kid having a really good season and leading his team to the playoffs in the seventh seed and, and going to have a decent shot at, at upsetting the Cowboys. This will be his first chance at the playoffs and at the big there spotlight and big there bright lights. Go. But yeah. it's also his first year fully starting. So yeah. it's it's he was in the same situation that Aaron was in last year with Hey, this is the season on the line. Last game of the season. If you win, you go to the playoffs. If you lose, you go home. He did. He found a way to will his team to a win, which you deserve credit for. But to compare him to Aaron Rodgers is just unfair for anybody. It's unfair for a lot of people. So to to Keyshawn's point, even a quarterback as great as Stafford had one Pro Bowl on his career. Mm. As great as he's been, I mean, he's up there top five in total passing yards in league history. He's got a number of records. He's the youngest quarterback to do a ton of the things in terms of the yards that he's passed for, and he has one career Pro Bowl. And that's because guys like Aaron, yes, that's the truth. Go look it up. It's going to blow your mind. He's got one Pro Bowl. Yeah, that's it's, it's mind-blowing. But it's, it's from being in a time where you had to be in a division with Aaron Rodgers. You had to play at the same time as Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, guys like that, and they, they were going to these Pro Bowls. They were playing in these games. So, um, so just because you don't get the accolades and awards and things like that doesn't mean you're not a great quarterback. He's playing a great – don't always compare and contrast because it's not all created equal. Okay, but you guys both say let's not be unfair, and I appreciate that, but let's also do be fair <clears throat> to what Jordan Love just accomplished because he finished second touchdown passes, 32 to Dak's 36. Yeah, but that – I mean, but that's, that, but, that's shockingly but, great to But me. that's that's all – that's good, though, uh, Skip. Yeah. But we can't take what you just said and turn it into a career no. for Jordan Love up against Aaron Rodgers because it's just not fair. But do you see trajectory? Do you see uh, he, he had a better I, first year starting than Aaron did? All the stats across the board I see, are a little better. I, I I've, I've seen this movie before. I can't tell. Okay. But I've seen this movie before. Yeah. I've seen a guy have a good season and then not so good. We've seen this before. Right. Okay, is that your prediction? Right. Is that your gut feeling about Aaron? Because I mean, about um, about Jordan. I, I can I, tell I, I you. I can tell you this. Mm-hmm. He deserves to be the long-term answer in Green Bay. Yeah. Now, where that takes them five years from now, I don't know. But he certainly has shown. When everybody had reservation about who he was going to be when Aaron Rodgers departed, 
All right. He certainly has erased that. Okay. Let me hit you with this. Remember the Thursday night we were in Boulder, Colorado mm-hmm. for a Friday show with Dion. Detroit and game, right? Yep. Yeah. It was Detroit at Green Bay. And for three quarters, Jordan Love didn't look very good. Threw a couple picks, looked a little overmatched against a very good Detroit team that was really hot at that point. In the fourth quarter, Jordan Love started to get a hold of it, and he righted himself, and I thought he had a really good fourth quarter. And we talked about the game the next day on Undisputed, live from Boulder, Colorado, at Colorado University. And I tried to defend the kid in the fourth quarter because he he always seems to come alive and, and be even better in the fourth quarter than he is in the first three. And yet... On that day, if any of us, Richard wasn't there with us, but it was Michael and, and Keyshawn and I, if, if any of the three of us had even imagined that he would go on this run of 18 touchdown passes to one interception, we would all laugh because at that right. point it looked ridiculous. Like, like the, there's no way that was going to happen. And now he's to the point he has gotten so much better, so much faster that that I'm a little I, – I, Open this up. I'm a little queasy about him coming to yeah. Jerry World As because you be. I don't think he's going to be afraid of anybody, right? But, well, you should be more more afraid of uh, Matt Lafleur and and their experience and that the success they've had in the playoffs. They've they've had success, and he knows how to play with this team. He'll he'll have a great feel for, and he'll talk to Kyle Shanahan. He'll talk to Mike McDaniel. He'll talk he to Sean McVay. They'll have a great plan yep. for what they want to do against your team, and your team does have weaknesses on it defense, does. especially against this type of offense. So, All yeah, right. you're, rightfully, you're right to be <laughs> okay. afraid. All right, but, but here's my point. The reason I believe Dallas will win this game is because he's not Aaron Rodgers, certainly not yet, not even close, and – even though Aaron Rodgers, since that long ago faraway Super Bowl in the postseason, Aaron seven and nine since that that Super Bowl. And if we had enough show left, I would go through the seven games and show you how fortunate he was to win the seven that he did win. Different teams, Skip. okay? Different coaches, okay, okay. different teams, I'm, I'm different with you. players. But Aaron Rodgers owned the Dallas Cowboys. He has owned us because in the regular season he's six and two, playoffs two and zero. Oh. Overall, eighteen touchdowns to two interceptions. So. I'm just happy it's not Aaron Rodgers. Unfortunately, the Aaron I always said was even more valuable than Aaron Rodgers was Aaron Jones, and he's still there. He's the only holdover who actually played for Mike McCarthy when he coached in Green Bay. And if you look at Aaron Jones's three games against Dallas because he wanted to be a Cowboy growing up in El Paso, he has murdered us. He, he's averaged 157 combined yards a game for three games. It's shocking if you look at his numbers against us. So he scares me, and Jordan's starting to scare me because I think he'll come in with well, nothing to lose and yep. let it fly. Yep. You're the epitome of a prisoner of moment. Um, so, again, this I is going to be – I invented that phrase, what, by the way. So I'm, I'm a prisoner <laughs> of my own phrase. Yeah, thank you. That's it. You're a yeah. prisoner of your own stuff. Yeah. And I was at that Thursday game against Detroit. We were in there. You were there. And, and, and you were there. We were, yep. we were there, and we watched it live. And he struggled, and he struggled early in the season. But it seems like the relationship between he and Matt LaFleur yep. and their offensive coordinator has changed. They found the rhythm for this kid. They found the things that he does well. They found a way to put him in the positions he needs to be to really thrive. And that's where you should be nervous. The only thing I would say is, that, like I said earlier, they got to get ahead on you guys early. If they don't get ahead on you guys early, they're not going to chase you down and beat you in the fourth quarter. But if they get ahead, Skip, 
Mm. Bite your nails. And yep. Ernestine right. might be right back doing what she do with that phone, <laughs> filming <laughs> another one of these videos that you're throwing away. Good at it. Yeah. She's, she's talk, all talk pro to at me, that. Talk to me after the game, Skip, yep. about what I'm I see. I'm sure you'll text me during the game. Well, I mean, about Jordan Love specifically mm -hmm. all right. after the game because I like to see guys in their first time sure. playing in the playoffs. Absolutely. How they respond will yeah. tell me a lot about who they're going to be in their careers. All right. We got to get back to Jim Harbaugh, hottest name on the now NFL coaching market. Next year, he will coach at where? We debate next. Stanford. Once again, your turn. Hashtag undisputed live. Here we go. First tweet from Eric Jamel. The phrase, here we go, takes on a different meaning when the name Aaron Rodgers follows it, as Steve Carell full well knows. Yeah. Oof. Well, here we go. We're yeah. talking about anything Dallas right now. <laughs> yeah. And number two, the Packers have dominated the head-to-head -head match between them and the girls, winning nine of the last ten meetings. So I'm sorry, Skip, the girls going down faster than a coin toss. Man, there's, is that right? Damn. Nine or ten? And Mike McCarthy was the told coach most of the time, right? I told you I'm queasy. And Mike McCarthy Man, was he was our coach. coach. We went up there last year. We are up, what, by 14 going to the fourth quarter, and we lost. We got blown out in the fourth quarter in overtime. That's my man, Aaron Jones, cowboy killer. And finally, from Chris Turner, Keyshawn trying to convince Skip he's not a cowboy hater. He's just using common sense, Skip. You should listen. I've never been a hater. Yeah, I'm not a hater. I just yeah. try to give you what I think I see. Yeah. But you all have to listen to me. They don't. You all have to listen to me. They if can't handle you. the truth. They yeah. can't handle the truth, Key. I, I said Jack Nichols. Whatever. Y'all got a coach that y'all got on the hot seat coaching a playoff game. Yeah, we do. And he should be. As the two seed. I hope As not. the two Heating seed, up. though. Heat, seat, heat. Okay. Lose his job. It's a tough life. Before That's he even gets life. into the playoff game. You'll be rooting against him. I know that. Because you're rooting against him. They're, the they're going to be fired coaches. They're going to be fired coaches that sit on two different ends. One team's going to be picking in the top five. The other one's going to be like, I am picking, picking against, at 25. I'm picking against you and Michael because I want to see y'all sweat it out to the last second. Yeah. Every chance I get. You, Yella. Uh, Michael, yeah. all y'all just wait to the last second. You know, Heart I, pounding. I want to see you sweat when we make it to Las Vegas and the Super Bowl. Okay. That's when I want to see you sweat. And I'll uh -huh. see you there. Yep. Okay. Okay. Back to business. Last night, Jim Harbaugh clinched that he'll be the hottest name on the NFL job market as Michigan won the national championship. Harbaugh, of course, coached the San Francisco 49ers to three straight NFC championship games and the Super Bowl. And now every team with an opening will be willing to make Jim a very rich man. Tom Brady and the Raiders, the Chargers, the Falcons, the Commanders, name them. So, Richard, you played for Jim, obviously, at Stanford. What's your best guess on where Jim Harbaugh will coach next year? It, it, my best guess would be Michigan uh, because I, I, I think that – his purpose in going there, he's it, it was to build a beast, but build a bully at yep. Michigan, and to stay there and to to continue to do that. I think he left San Diego after they had a successful year. He wanted to prove, hey, I can go to Stanford University and turn this program into a powerhouse they've never been. 
and he did that. Yeah. They went on to four or five BCS games after he left. We went to the Orange Bowl. My senior year, his last year at Stanford, 12-1 record, number three in the nation. Wow. Then he went to the NFL, went to, went to a Super Bowl, played his brother, lost that Super Bowl, went to a few NFC championship games, and proved that he could do it in the, at the NFL level. Went back to his alma mater. Well, went back. Went to his alma mater. Had went to three straight playoffs, won a national championship, and is in control of his own destiny. He I is. think he stays at Michigan because I think his motivation to go there is still there. He's turned it around. I'm sure they're going to build a statue in front of the stadium soon for him and what he's been able to do there. But I don't think he has anything to prove to the National Football League. And I don't know if he wants to go back to a situation where he has to prove something. He's proved what he needs to do on every level. Now he's in a great spot with a great recruiting class, um, fresh off a national championship. I think they beat Ohio State three times in a row. They went to the playoffs three times in a row. So I can't imagine him leaving a situation that he's built to pretty much perfection and say, hey, let me restart in the NFL and, and do it all over again. I, I mean, maybe, maybe he just wants that challenge, yeah. but I think he's done an amazing job at Michigan, and I think he would want to at least enjoy the spoils of what he's done. I agree no, he with doesn't. Richard. He does not want to enjoy yeah. it, and he hasn't done everything. Think about it, though, Richard. You mentioned 12-1 and one at Stanford. Turned a historical academic school into a powerhouse juggernaut in the Pac-12 conference that David Shaw eventually took over and ran with for a period of time. He goes to Michigan in college again, and he wins the national title. What's missing from his resume is a Super Bowl title, okay? When you're going around as a coach, just like a player, when you played at a certain level and you hadn't gotten a Pro Bowl nod or you – hadn't played in the playoffs or you hadn't won a Super Bowl, there's something that's missing, especially when you look across and you see other counterparts like your brother that has won a Super Bowl title. Yeah, you played in it and you coached in it, but you come up, you keep coming up short in the pros, right? You coached in three straight NFC championship games. You came up short. You coached in the Super Bowl. You came up short. You played, and Skip, you remember this, Richard was still trying to figure out how to warm the bottle and keep the bottle warm when he was a kid. Indianapolis versus Pittsburgh Steelers. He threw the Hail Mary. He did. Guess what? He came up short. I know, but it got dropped. He yeah, but, he, but, it still, but he still came up short. Yeah. Pittsburgh went on to play the Dallas Cowboys got in the Super Bowl. Yep. So he's missing something. Mm-hmm. He's accomplished everything in college. There's nothing left to prove in college, but there's plenty left to prove in the National Football League, okay? And I think he's going to look hard and serious at going to one of these teams that's available. I mean, he's interviewed multiple times over the last several years mm-hmm. trying to get a job. Why would you interview and why would you do it? To, to do what? It wasn't like Michigan was all of a sudden going to give you a new contract because uh, you interviewed. I know, but they forced him to take a pay cut. They did. Uh, they, yeah. yeah, but even after they forced you to take a pay cut, you went out and did these interviews. They didn't say, okay, we sorry, here's the money back. <laughs> they didn't do that, right, Skip? They better now. Well, it's too, they're yeah. going to give him whatever he wants, yeah. but so is the National Football League. Yeah. 
I'm with Richard on this because the one thing you are missing, Keyshawn, is I think Jim Harbaugh has positioned the Michigan program to out Saban Saban, to out Bear Bear, as in Bryant, to out Bo Bo, as in Bo Schimbeckler, to out Rockney Rockney, as in Newt Rockney, to be the greatest college football power coach ever because it's a loaded program. And the recruiting pipeline they have established there. How many championships? Is, Nick's got six. You know, but listen, Jim could go on a run here. They could, they could dominate college football for the next 10 years. You act, you like, know George, you act know. like Georgia just getting ready to go away. No, but I don't think Jim's getting ready to go away from Michigan because his heart's there, his soul's there, he played there, he grew up there for much of his childhood. I, I just think I'm with Richard that it's set up for him to run the program. He has complete and utter control of the athletic department now. The only glitch would be if the NCAA continues to nip at his heels and, and says, we're going to get you again next year. Would he just say, OK, that's enough. I'm out. Maybe. I, I don't know that he could ever have as much control in the NFL as he has at Michigan right now. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I agree. in the right situation, he's going to get the control. He's going to get – because remember, when you're talking about teams that's – number one, the Chargers need two heads, right? They need yeah. a head coach and a general manager. The Commanders, they need a general manager, head coach. The Falcons, general manager, head coach. Mm -hmm. Panthers, general manager, head coach. Raiders just need a head coach in this situation, and a general manager. So now when you look at this, he's going to do the Kyle Shanahan, bring his guy along with him. Andy Reid, bring his guy along with him. He's not going to just walk in there and take a job that he does not have total control for a number of years. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. But I think, I think that he's more tailor-made to do what, what Skip is saying and saying, hey, I saw what Saban did. I am the face of college football right now. Yep. I can go on a run. I can be the bully. Not only did he run his team to the national championship, 15 wins, zero losses, but he went through Saban to do it. And people were sitting there yeah. acting like they were celebrating or sad because they couldn't play Florida State. Like they couldn't beat Bama. And, oh, man, they're so sad they got Bama and they're going to lose this game. And they went right through Bama and then right through the University of Washington to win a national championship. So it'd be weird for him to say, I'm going to take all this control and the way I'm affecting these young men and the way, you know, when you get to the NFL, it's a different kind of conversation. The dynamic between player coach, the lines are blurred in some respects, especially quarterback and coaching. You run it, you run into a situation where the head coach makes less than some of these players. And a lot of these players nowadays, I mean, more and more yeah. players are making over $20 million. So you get into a situation where a head coach is like my way or the highway and, and a guy just signed a $30 million a year contract, he's going to say, hey, well, they'll get rid of you before they get rid of me. So I don't know if you really want to go back to that dynamic after being in college and, and really doing a great job at Michigan. I think he wants to continue that and see how far they can take it. All I know for sure is Jim, Jim is sitting in the proverbial catbird seat. I don't know what the catbird seat is, but he's in it right now. Right? Yeah, no, he's at, he's at the top. He's yeah. at the top of the leaderboard. There's yeah. no question about it. I just... He's a pro guy. Haven't known Jim. He's just a pro guy. I mean, he just his his team, his team in Michigan is made up of pro coaches, pro systems, pro style. Everything is just pro generated. And again, the ultimate goal is to win a Super Bowl title. 
he can't sit next to his brother at Thanksgiving and talk shop. Because his brother, man, I, yeah, that's college, man. I could do that all day long. No, I don't think he could, but... Oh, okay, I mean, in a moment, we need to talk Draymond, who says he was ready to retire until Adam Silver talked him out of it. Sure. Huh? Yeah, okay. Retire. Retire. Draymond Green said on his podcast that he was going to retire until Commissioner Adam Silver talked him out of it. This is what Draymond had to say. I just told him, Adam, it's too much for me. Like, it's too much. Like, this is too much. It's all becoming too much for me. And I'm going to retire. And Adam said, ah, you're making a very rash decision. And I won't let you do that. You know, we had a long, great conversation. Very helpful to me. Very thankful uh, to play in a league with a commissioner like Adam, uh, who's more about helping you than hurting you or helping you than punishing you. Or, you know, he's more about players okay so Keyshawn you know Draymond your response to what he said on his podcast well when I first heard that he was going to retire the first thing I said I thought about retiring first thing I said is that was a thought going through his mind because it's a lot he's got to deal with a lot he just it's a lot so in the end just like he just said it's like I gotta deal with this I gotta do man I might as well just retire those are the type of conversations and I'm sure Commissioner Silver was like, Yo, you know, just hold on. Let us work with you. Let us figure it out. Because clearly, it, it, I'm laughing because he got about $90 million or so still due to him, right? He's got the three years that's left at the 77 plus whatever he's uh, going to finish up earning this year. I just can't see. And I love this professional athletes when they say, oh, I'm going to retire. I just you just don't walk away, man. It just doesn't work like that when you have that type of money sitting there. No matter what your situation is, the money is this your money. You're getting ready to just give the NBA back $100 million? No, you don't do that. This isn't, I'm broken down, I'm at the end, I can't walk anymore. And even when they can't walk anymore at the end, they'll sit on the end of the bench and collect the checks. You're not giving it yes, back. So I can I understand his thought process, Skip, as to maybe this is something that I want to do, but it's just I can't do it. And Adam Silver kind of tells him, say, look, we're going to get you what you need and let's just figure this out. And so he's back in Golden State. That's how I see it. I, <laughs> I love Draymond. He, he's one of the more, most authentic and genuine and organic uh, human beings. He's speaking the truth. You know, and I think this situation, he felt like he was speaking the truth, but Adam Silver is speaking rationally. You know, it, it, Draymond is speaking emotionally in a moment, and, and I think Adam Silver recognized that and said, hey, just calm down, take a deep breath, take a couple yeah. days, decompress, and let's make a, ra make a decision with thought behind it instead of saying, hey, I'm emotional, I got suspended, I got all this stuff going on, I'm done. Because you never were done, and you would have regretted that decision, and I think the point that I made before about this Draymond situation, I still think it's more stuff going on off the court 
that's affecting on the court. I know everybody's sitting there like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in his personal life, but I know what it looks like when there's outside pressures on a human being. And even yeah. with what he's saying in this conversation, it seems like there's outside pressures going on because you're saying, I can't handle all this. It's like, can't handle all what? You can't handle getting suspended for something you did on the court, or you can't handle this on top of the other things that you have going on, you know, kind of putting your life Maybe. in this space where you're saying, man, like everything's kind of falling down on me at one time. I need a break. And I think Adam Silver, maybe they had a conversation that went deeper and he really maybe shed light on some of the things that he had going on. And Adam was probably like, hey, we're not we're not trying to punish you. We're trying to help you. We're trying to recognize the situation and trying to get you better. Okay, I appreciate that. I appreciate everything that Draymond's brought to those championship Warriors teams. I've missed watching them play. I enjoy watching them play. But my one takeaway here is I don't think it's it's time to go poor Draymond. I don't think it's time to turn him into a sympathetic figure here because here's the truth about him. He is the biggest cheap shot artist in the history of the NBA, and it ain't even close. If you go look at the YouTube videos of years and years of just astonishing, shocking cheap shot after cheap shot after cheap shot, you say, that's, that's just crazy that it was time for Draymond to take some time away. And I don't know if this is enough time or not, but I, I'm with Richard. Maybe there's something else going on lately off the floor that he needed to address. But but I, it's it's not time for for me, at least I, I don't as a huge basketball fan. I don't have sympathy for him. I don't think he's turned. He, he needs to be turned into on his podcast, a sympathetic figure. I, I think it's just good that he's had some time to try to figure all this out because that behavior is completely out of control, and it was at the very end when he finally had to take his sabbatical. But what made you yeah. what made you say that, Skip? What did, what did he say on his podcast that would make you think? Oh, that whoa, am I? I was thinking of retiring. Well, okay, but but that's not. He was the just point. being real. Yeah, yeah he okay. was just he just being real, Skip. Because again, those sort of things as a player. You think about, like you say, man, I think I'm, I think I'm done, Richard, man. I don't think I want to play anymore. Yeah. And then you have that conversation. And I yeah. think that's what he was doing with Adam Silver, aligning everything, letting him know, hey, man, I got this over here going, this over I think I just want to call it quits. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. We do need to then talk about you guys, Lakers. Up next, have they finally figured it out? Should they get ready to go play college Clippers? basketball or something? Mm. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Lakers, four and a half point favorites tonight at home over Toronto. Coming off the huge win over the Clippers. Keyshawn, have they figured it back out? No, I don't think they figured it out yet. We got to put a couple of them together, though, Skip. Mm -hmm. Right? We got four of the next five at home, starting with Toronto and ending with the Mavs and the Thunder sliced in between right before the Mavs. So our last two are going to be toughies. Mm. Go, Richard. Yeah, I don't know. I, I want to see us win, string together four or five wins in a row. Then I can say we figured it out. But one win over a good Clippers team uh, isn't enough for me right now, Skip. I, I was extremely impressed with what LeBron and company did against the Clippers. It could be an indictment for what's not to come, but I think they are figuring it out, and I think they're going to be just fine, Keyshawn much to your chagrin. Yeah, yeah, I watched the Clippers last night. I've been watching the Clippers all season long. They're 15-3 yeah. and three since the month of December. 
and they rolling. Kawhi and Harden and company. Yeah, I'll take the victory, but we got a long ways to go for the Lakers. Lakers. We got a long way to go. Long, long. Put it on them, man. Yeah, a long way to go. Yeah. You sure about that? Yeah, I'm positive. Okay. I, I think they're going to be. I don't trust fine. when Skip's on our side. Yeah, yeah I just and never that, trust. He's never on your side. Seated. We're back tomorrow at 9.30 Eastern, and I can't.